What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Daniel Teachers Experience, episode number four. I'm your host, Daniel. Today, we're going to be jumping into these three topics. The first one is simplicity and why simplicity is oftentimes the answer that you don't want to hear. Secondly, we'll be talking about statements that close your mind. Things that you'll hear, things that you'll say to yourself that'll completely shut you down. Mistakes that maybe you've been making that I know I have certainly done in the past, which have not been to my benefit. And finally, we're going to talk about how to comfort someone. Someone, this is a friend, a coworker, whoever this is, and they tell you about a situation that's not going well. What is the best way to approach them? What is the best way to talk to them? The best way to make them feel better about themselves? So my friends, without further ado, I've been thinking about simplicity a lot. You know, a lot of the times we get told the school system is very narrow or, or whatever system is very narrow. You got to think outside the box. You got to be creative. You got to think outside the lines. You got to look further. But my friends, the mistake that many people end up making is you end up looking so far at the mountains that you don't see what's right in front of you. And sometimes we see what's in front of us, but we don't accept it. Sometimes we're looking for this great, mystical, complicated answer of the universe. And when we see it is so simple and it's, it's direct and it's not mystical or magical at all, we, we tend to shy away from those kinds of answers. You want an example? Perfect. How many, when looking in the fitness world, how many of these have you heard? How many of these headlines have you heard? New study came out, get abs in less than 24 hours. A brand new shortcut to get a six pack. Hey, this is a way that I lost 25 pounds in under eight hours. Hey, do you want to be built like the rock? You got to take this little magical pill that's going to give you this vitamin, this vitamin, this vitamin, and you're going to get really big, really fast. People love leading towards those. For whatever reason, whether it's the shortcut aspect, it's the, it's the fast aspect, it's the, oh, it's revolutionary, it's innovation, it's a pill that I got to take, it's going to speed me up, it's going to make me look like the rock. Right When in most times, people just want to be healthier. So people end up paying thousands of dollars for these online courses and, and they, they idolize these individuals who, who are making up just different kinds of protein powders and different things in that sense. And it all goes back to capitalism and to consumerism and just how can we get more money? When the answer, my friends, is extremely simple. You fall into this game of, you know, if you're paying 200 to 300 bucks and you go to a seminar and you watch a guy go up on stage and he's about to speak about this revolutionary new pill that can give you all the vitamins that you need so you can build muscle faster and whatever, whatever, that's worth it. But as Gary Vee said, you pay him, you pay me to give you a seminar about how to be healthier. I'll walk up on stage and I'll say, all right, everybody, this is how you're going to be healthier. I want you to exercise every day and to eat well. Good night, everybody. Take care of yourselves. That's literally it. Exercise every day and eat well. And the backlash is, oh, that sounds like hard work. Eat well, man, but I really like McDonald's. Exercise every day, every day. Hey, man, the beauty of me saying exercise is it's subjective. Exercise for one person could be going to the gym for an hour. For another person, that could literally mean going out on a 10-minute walk around the block. If you're telling me that you don't have 10 minutes in your life to do something like that, you're telling me you don't have a life. Because I would tell you, you do have 10 minutes. You just got to look at what things you spend your time doing. Maybe taking 10 minutes off scrolling on Instagram or 10 minutes off doing whatever, something that's not benefiting your life could end up being the 10 minutes that you exercise. 
But God forbid it's a simple answer. No, no, no. It has to be crazy. It has to be complicated and tough. My friends, I know how to get a six-pack. I am I am 80% aware. I know the different core workouts I should do. I know the different ab workouts. I know the things that I should be eating and the things that I shouldn't be eating. So why don't I have a six-pack? My friends, when people drink alcohol, they, they know that it's unhealthy for them. They know that it, it does the opposite if you want to get a six-pack. They know that it's practically poison in your, in your body. Um, but yet people still drink. Why do they do that? So it's not a conversation of, oh, uh, you know, he didn't know that alcohol was bad for him. Or, oh, Daniel just doesn't, like, people do not know how to get a shredded core, how to get an amazing six-pack. That's not it at all. We know we have the information, but for whatever reason, we don't act on said information. Right? And another shout out to Gary Vee, he gave this perfect example, was you can sit at home and read about doing push-ups all day long until the cows come home. But it's not until you actually do the push-up yourself that that's where you're going to see progress. Now take that example and apply it to anything in life. Apply it to any problem. You can sit there and read as many books you want about relationships, but it's not until you start executing on what you've read, you start executing on that knowledge where you can see actual progress in your relationships. Oftentimes, my friends, when you're in a situation where you're looking for answers, I was talking to a friend of mine and he gave me some amazing advice. He said, Daniel, I take a step back. He said, because if I'm thinking about myself, I'm thinking biased, I'm thinking emotionally. He says, I'm taking a step back. And he said, I will imagine that it's not me that I'm giving advice to, but that it's a third person, that it's person X, that it's John or Tim or whoever. I make someone up and I say, okay, if I'm the third person, if I was to give someone advice and if they were in my situation, what would I tell them? And all of a sudden when you shift the situation to what do I have to do and you shift the conversation to, okay, I'm here. What is the most simplest, convenient, most logical, rational thing for this person to do? It can be a lot easier to answer. Not always, but it's definitely an interesting trick. Uh, one thing that I've been doing a lot more lately, which, which has helped out, which has honestly helped me out. Now, folks, you know, talking about simplicity and really just it being that simple, it is a great, great way to lean into the second topic of statements that close our minds. My friends, one mistake that you've been making, that I've been making, that everyone makes, is we say things that absolutely shut down our minds. It is huge. And what happens is we underestimate the power of what we say and what we think. There's this huge um, idea in the self-help, self-development world that goes, you are what you think you are. If you believe, you can achieve. And, and there's going to be the, the drawback that goes, okay, well, I believe I'm a six foot six basketball player. And, they, and then they make fun of it, right? They turn it into a straw argument. When in reality... Folks, if you really believe that you're sick, if you believe that there's something wrong with you, you're going to start acting as if there is something wrong with you. And internally, your brain wants to be cognitively synced and it wants to be right. And if it thinks there's something wrong with you, and if you start to believe it, something will actually be wrong with you. So, let's imagine you go out, you're watching a movie, action movie, horror movie, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I see this, I hear this all the time. You see a person, they're in a bad situation, and someone goes, we're all going to die. Do you know what my immediate thought is? It's like, great. Like, if I'm there with her, I'd be like, hey, hey, well, now we are. 
Or, yeah, no kidding with that attitude. Yeah, we're all going to die, for sure. Like, listen, if we're in a bad situation, and you just yell, we're all going to die, it's like, okay. And? Either I wasn't aware, either I was aware and you're just stating the obvious. What? Now, I know what you're going to say, you're going to say, but Daniel, that's an involuntary emotional control, right? They, right? they didn't mean to, they just blurted it out, they're in a state of distress, I'm not arguing that. There's nothing wrong with being distressed and wanting to vocalize. But what if you're in a bad situation, you're in that movie, and instead of the girl saying, we're all going to die, she goes, there has to be a way out of here. Same situation. You're in distress, but one statement shuts down your brain, shuts down thinking, the other one opens up a door to exploration, to questions, to thinking, sparks communication. All right, let's take out of the movie scene, let's go back into to practicality. You're, um... Your friend just tells you something, whatever, off the top of my head. He goes, um, I'm broke. Okay. Same thing. Take that statement, turn it into a question. Your friend goes, hmm, how can I stop being broke? Same thing. But again, the second way, you're opening up your mind. You're, you're allowing for questions and, and sparking conversations and explorations, and it's leading you to somewhere. Right? A any time in life, my friends, catch how you talk to yourself. Be conscious of, of the way that you think, the way that you that you interpret certain ideas. And really be aware, you know, when, when you do end up saying something, either to your friend or to yourself, and just going, like, even as simple as, like, this sucks. Just be like, okay, how can this suck a little less? How can this be turned into a good situation? How can you say something that will lead you to a solution rather than just digging a hole? My friends, when, when I see people who are in a bad situation and that say, this sucks, or man, this is horrible, or, or just, it's, it's as if they dig a hole with a shovel and they go stand in that hole. And they dig a bigger hole and they go stand back in there. And they dig some more and then they go stand back in there. As if saying, instead of saying, you know, okay, this sucks. What can I do to make this suck less? How can I improve this situation? This is bad, so now I know what bad looks like. How can I lead to good? Now, my friends, me talking on here, I'm thinking motion. I'm thinking, excuse me, logically. I'm thinking rationally. Obviously, you're in a situation. You are in the quote-unquote heat of the moment, and you're going to be thinking emotionally, and that's going to be harder. But anyone can do it. With practice, anybody can do it. The first step is being aware. Is being aware that there are statements that close your mind. And there are statements that open up your mind, that make you flourish, that make you explore, and knowing how to distinguish the two. And as soon as you are aware of that, I guarantee you, you'll be in situations where someone will say something, or you'll say something, and the back of your head's going, wait, is there a different way I could have worded that? Um, or like, hmm, like, is there, there has to be a way out of here, right? Because there's something that I can think, is there something that I could say that would be more beneficial than my thought is right now? Finally, my friends, when we're talking about these uh, ideas, I would lead towards talking about comfort. When you have an individual that comes up to you, when you have a friend, when you have a coworker, when you have a, a family member, and they're, they're distressed, they're not doing well, there are several ways that we can approach comforting people. These several ways, I can list a couple of them that I really wanted to talk about. Sympathy, compassionate empathy, empathic distress, and egoism. So what do they all look like? I'll give you an example. Sympathy is where someone comes up to you and they go, hey man, I'm in a bad situation. 
and you do that. The sympathy is the most common one that you'll hear. Someone says, hey, man, I just got charged with this parking ticket. And you'll go, oh, that sucks. Well, at least they didn't, you know, tow away your car. That was sweet. You know, or you go, oh, that sucks. Well, I mean, it could have been worse. The fine could have been higher. So basically, someone comes to you with something negative, and you hit them back with something positive, saying, hey, this is bad, but you should be grateful for this. Okay, that's sympathy. Compassionate empathy is you relate to that person, is that you put yourself in their shoes. And when they say something like, hey, man, I got this parking ticket. It absolutely sucks. You take a step further and you go, oh, you got a parking ticket? That sucks, man. Oh, that's awful. It sucks because you never see it coming. It's around Christmas time. You know, I got a parking ticket last week. I was just barely on that yellow line, man. That sucks. I'm so sorry, dude. I've definitely been there. So compassionate empathy is just, you're not saying, oh, it could have been worse. But you're saying, you know what, man? That sucks. It really does. Um, But I've definitely been in the same situation. So you're not alone. Then, my friends, I want to talk about empathic distress. Empathic distress is basically you're talking to an individual and they're telling you about your pro- their problems. They say, hey, man, this is what happened. The parking ticket has been really weighing me down. It's making me upset. I don't even have the money on me right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's basically you just going, hey, um, listen, I understand that you're not in a good place, but I'm not in an amazing place either right now. So is it okay if we just talk about this some other time? And finally, egoism would be someone saying, hey, man, I just got a parking ticket. You know, that really sucked. And you're looking at them and going, so what does that have to do with me? Egoism is always, um, it's, well, it's in the name. It's egocentric. It's, it's self-centered. It's whatever you're saying, you know, when people want to be comforted and they go, hey, this is what happened to me. Egoism will always go back to, well, okay, so what, what, why should I care? You got a ticket. All right, what, I don't see how I'm involved in any of this. So my friends, let's break down each one. Sympathy is the absolute most common one. I used to be, I used to love sympathy because from far away, sympathy looks like the perfect idea. I'm a smiley, miley kind of guy. I like to think I'm positive. I like to think I'm enthusiastic. So when a friend of mine or someone comes to me and, and they're not uh, doing well, I love to, to put a smile on their face as quickly as possible. That was my mindset, right? You tell me something bad, and then I tell you what to focus on to be grateful for. Thus, you can put a smile on your face the sooner the better. What I didn't realize was, you know, when someone says something like, Oh, Daniel, man, I broke my arm. Life has been so hard just not doing sports mentally. And then me saying something like, well, at least you didn't break both your arms. You know, <laughs> when when you really get into it, it, it doesn't make the individual feel better. And it's it's weird because you would think, you know, again, directing their mind to, to be grateful that it could have been worse would make them feel better. But it's, it's this feeling of like, you know what? This sucks. I don't feel good. I want to tell you that it sucks. And... I just kind of want us to like both sob over this sucky feeling rather than you smiling. And it's like hitting someone and they fall and rather than extending your hand and trying to pull them up, they would rather want you to just like sink down and just talk to them and, and you don't have to bring them up immediately. But just talk about what happened and how they felt. So a huge reason why um, I am now leaning away from sympathy is that many times my friends, people don't want to, oh, but you know, it could have been worse. It could have been this. It could have been that. Oftentimes, you know, people just want you just to relate to them or just to hear them out. And that's what leads me to compassion and empathy. Compassion and empathy is one of my favorites because it really puts you, it allows you to take their perspective, puts you in their position. And at first glance, I thought compassion and empathy was, was kind of weird because when someone would, would say, you know, oh man, I just got this parking ticket, I just broke my arm, I'm in this bad situation, you know, 
I thought compassion empathy was like, oh man, yeah, you're right, that does suck. And I was like, that's so weird. Why would you reaffirm their negative feelings? But doing some more research on the matter and taking classes about it, I've realized that when an individual is going through a hard time, knowing that it, what they're going through is relatable, knowing that what they're going through is hopefully normal, and that someone else not only understands what they're talking about, but has been in the same position that they've been in, makes someone feel absolutely incredible. So when someone does break their arm, you know, or been in similar situations, times when I have showed compassion, empathy, and gone, hey man, you broke your arm, oh, that's brutal, man. Like, to be honest with you, dude, I don't think, I, I've never broken an arm before, but I've definitely been in situations where I've hurt my shoulder or my arm really badly, I couldn't move that thing for weeks. It was painful, it was weird, it was uncomfortable. I mean, I, I it, it sucks, man. It is, it is such a bad situation, man. I can only imagine how much... How challenging it would be mentally, especially you not being able to continue your sports and whatnot. And even though it sounds like I'm digging a, a, a bigger hole, in my own experience, when I've related to someone on that level, they, it's just it's worked out for me. Again, I would love to hear your opinion and know you know what your thoughts are, which of these approaches you prefer, and why. Which of them have you used? Which of them are you um, not a big fan of using? But uh, yeah, this one had the, the the best outcome for me, where the person at the end said. You know, Daniel, thank you for listening to me. I really appreciate it. This takes me to the next one, egoism. Now, egoism, my friends, is the one that, um, you know, I don't think anyone is glued to a single approach. I don't want to say, John, you are always, you know, egoistic in your approach. Tiffany, you are always sympathetic in your approach, right? It's, it's a little bit of everything, right? Just different ratios that you use. But basically, egoism is just this, again, this idea of, you know, if it doesn't revolve around me, I don't care. Like, it's me-centered. Usually, um, you know, I haven't tried this one, and I'm not crazy to try this one, because I'm a big believer in being uh, people-centric and putting other people first in the sense of, you know, if you have something to say, I want to listen to it and listen to why this is important to you, because if it's important to you, you know, is it is it an emotional thing? Is it a health thing? I'm Whatever, for whatever reason. And I think the moment when you when people start talking and you make it about you, that can almost be the worst thing that you can do when someone needs comfort and you you pull you 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 rip you basically you pull the carpet out from under them and you go okay well let's talk about me because that has nothing to do with me i personally my friends i'm not a huge fan of egoism if i can just go back for a second to compassion and empathy one of my peers said something that was very very interesting to me she said um daniel she said i like compassion and empathy in the sense that you're trying to relate to an individual however she said, sometimes when I'm trying to um, just be comforted, like like when, I have, when I'm trying to tell my friend something and, and I just wanted to listen, when she relates to me and she goes, oh, uh, yeah, like, so, so you broke your arm. I told you remember when I broke my arm and they start talking about their tales. My friend was kind of taken back by it. And her idea of it was, it's like, listen, I need some comforting. Let me tell you my story and what I'm going through. Whereas compassion empathy can sometimes come off as let's say you just broke your arm and i go oh you broke your arm man oh that sucks i broke my arm too so what happened when i broke my arm was i was going down you know this hill on my bike and i fell on it and i go on to tell you about it because i want to relate to you right but there's a good chance that maybe you don't want me to get into the details that you just want me to say oh man i broke my arm too that totally sucks i totally get what you mean and end it there because what happens is if i start going into rapid details about i broke my arm and this is how it happened there's a good chance that if you're in the mindset of, I have a problem, I just want to vent, and now what Daniel's doing is he's taking it and he's turning it all about him, all about his story, 
where it's like, dude, like I didn't ask for you to share your story. I want to tell you about mine. So that's one piece of information that I thought was very interesting that I had not thought about until I talked to, to this peer of mine, which is that, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, I appreciate the relating thing, but when there's too much compassion and empathy at a point, I do feel like, okay, like, like, can we talk about me again? Rather than taking the conversation all, all the way, you know, over to a story that happened to you three years ago. Um, and finally, my friends, this leads me to empathic distress. Now, empathic distress at first sounds like you sound like an absolute jerk. I mean, you sound like a piece of trash. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> empathic distress comes off like this. Someone says, oh, hey, man, I'm having a horrible week, man. Me and Tiffany, we're not working out. Our relationship isn't looking so good. And if I want to use the empathic distress approach, I'd say something like, hey, uh, Tim, I'm sorry to bother you, man, but your negative energy is really putting me in a bad mood. So I'm going to need you to stop. Now, immediately when I say that, you can hear that it sounds really bad. It sounds like, who the hell? Like, why would you, <laughs> right? I'm um, like, your negative energy is making me feel really bad. In essence, it sounds like, I'm, it sounds very like egocentric, right? It sounds very much like egoism. It's about me. Hey, man, your bad situation is putting me in a bad place. But then when I thought about it further and I was able to talk to a few of my peers about this idea, we all uh, could think of a time where we had to use empathic distress, not in the sense of being insensitive to our friends, but there's definitely, think of a time where someone comes up to you and says something negative, you know, about themselves, about their life, and you kind of nod your head and you, you just comfort them through it. And then they say the same thing the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. And they just, they come up to you and they're saying all these things and they're, they're really heavy because you care about this person. And they're just heavy and dark and, and, and just exhausting to listen to. Not because you don't care about them. Actually, the reverse. Because you care about this person. And listening to what happens to them. Just put just, just weighs on your chest. And it, it feels like there's an elephant on your chest. And you're going, Jesus. And then, and then you know, you finish talking to them. You go on about the rest of your day. And you're just thinking about what they said to you. And you're like, man. And that literally impacts your mood. So empathic distress is good in the sense that, my friends, when you're comforting someone. But... They're constantly in a state of negativity. They're constantly talking to you. Whenever they talk to you, they bring negativity. And not only negativity, but it's things that also bring you down. It gets to a point of where the person that you're talking to not only is making themselves sad, but they're exhausting you. They're making you tired. And where, call it again, man, call it ignorant, call it egoistic. I believe in putting your health first. If at any point you're talking to a friend and you feel like you're getting weighed down, you feel like it's too much that you can't handle it at that very moment, I, th I think you got to make that clear. you got to say, hey, so-and-so, listen, I, I really value what you have to say. I, I care about you. I sincerely do. But listen, I'm not in the best place right now myself. And I don't think I'm in a, I'm in a good place to, to hear what you have to say right now. Is it okay if we can schedule a coffee for tomorrow and continue talking about what you're talking about? Is that okay? Now, again, it might come off as really harsh, but it's your health first. And for anybody listening to this who, who's going, you know, I'm in a bad place. I want to tell somebody, but I don't ever want to make anybody feel bad by listening to me say my bad things. Please do not think that way, my friends. Please do not think that way. That is, that is the rare instance where you're talking to someone every day and they're not a counselor. They're not a psychologist. They're just your buddy, right? So they're not being paid to listen to you. And you're doing it every day two weeks, 14 days, back to back to back to back, and you never come to a solution. It's always the same problem. You tell them about your horrible boyfriend. They tell you to break up with them. You take their advice. You never break up with the guy. You show up the next day. 
You tell them the same thing. They tell you to break up with your boyfriend. You don't break up with him, right? You fall into that cycle. But please do not listen to this and think, oh, well, I can't tell my friend about my bad situation because I don't want to put her in a bad mood. No, no, no. Not at all. That is a totally uh, self, what's the word, self-responsible thing. If an individual ever feels that they're being impacted, they will let you know. Please do not try to guess and think, oh, you know, so-and-so is really in a good mood. Maybe I don't want to tell them this negative thing. I, I don't want to exhaust them with my drama. Don't think like that. Tell them whatever you want to tell them, whatever you need to tell them. And believe me, if they're not in that right mindset, they'll, they'll let you know. So, my friends, I think all options are very interesting. I think it is super, super important to be aware of all of them, of sympathy, of compassionate empathy, of egoism, of uh, empathic distress, and really realize that, you know, there is no one perfect solution. In my opinion, there isn't just, oh, compassionate empathy for everybody all the time, in my opinion. You know, I really do think it is contextual. It depends on your relationship with that person, the situation itself. So, I think there's a lot of factors involved. But, my friends, when we're looking at comforting, those are some of the big ones that... um I've been thinking about recently that I've used a lot lately. And um, I'm wondering, were there any that, that I left out that you're really big on? Or when I talked about any of these approaches, were there some that really stood out to you? Was there one that you said, Daniel, like, this is amazing. This is fantastic. Or was there one that you had no idea about? You said, what the hell is this? Or I've never thought about it like that. I want you to look back on your own life. I want you to look back at times where you comfort someone. It could be your parent comes home from work and they're just not in a good mood. It could be your best friend. It could be a girlfriend, a boyfriend. You know, when's the time that you comforted someone? And how did you do it? Did you relate to them? Did you say, oh, well, at least it could have been, you know, did you use egoism? Did you say, hey, listen, that, that has nothing to do with me. So I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> or um, did, did you say, you know, did, were you ever in a situation where you had to say, like, listen, I just, you know what? That sucks what you're going through. I'm going through something pretty tough right now. I'm just unfortunately not in the, the space to hear it right now. I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm very interested, my friends. I'm very interested that we can share and see, you know, well, how do you comfort people? How do you do it? Let me know. Hey, thank you so much for joining me here, my friends. My name is Daniel. This is the Daniel Teachers Experience. I wish you all an absolutely sensational day. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see each other next time. Bye-bye.